Business Tech Weekly, episode number 10. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Business Tech Weekly. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And I'm Andy Traub. And Andy, I am excited about this centennial. No, that's not right. Um, what what is tenth. it? Our decade. Our 10th our de- <laughs> our episode, my friend. Very excited about today because we're going to be talking with the founder of 37 Signals. Well, 37 Signals, but found at 37signals.com. And now one of my favorite software solutions in the world, uh, the founder of High rise. Andy, tell us a little bit more about how how you heard about 37 Signals, and then we're going to introduce Jason. Sure. Well, I, I found out about it because it works and because the, the company creates several pieces of uh, web-based software that help business owners, um, people from solopreneurs to all the way to corporations. And uh, it's someone that I needed to work on a project with, and they invited me to this thing called Basecamp, and I thought it was pretty slick looking and so i decided to get a subscription myself and and i have uh spread the word since then uh, you know i let's just say my affiliate program for my base camp and high rise is doing well so been spreading the word on the company uh because it it creates uh software that, that helps businesses uh, as you've experienced yourself cliff that I have. And uh, let, let's, uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute, but let's go ahead and introduce our guest here today. Uh, we have on the line with us uh, Jason Freed. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, well, we really appreciate you taking the opportunity to come on to our show and to talk with us and to, to be honest with you, to answer some questions. And uh, also, I want to I hear you promote some of the things that you guys are working on over there at 37 Signals. Got a lot of excited things, uh, exciting things going on in the fires, but not too much. And I, w- one of my favorite things recently is I took the opportunity to get to know a little bit more about you by checking out some YouTube interviews and... I, I'm really at a loss for where we're going to go for today. We have some questions written out, but to be honest with you, there's the technology and software solution end, but there's the entrepreneur, uh, you know, the the philosophy end of this thing. And I'm sure that you face that a lot when people interview you, don't you? Yeah, we kind of have two sides to our business. There's obviously the software side, which is where we make most of our money, and then there's sort of the advice sharing side, which is where we actually get promoted a lot talk about entrepreneurship and what we've learned and the things we know and the things we figured out over the years. And, uh, so it's kind of depending on the different interface or the, the different interview show, uh, we talk about different topics, but I'm happy to talk about both or just one. It's up to you guys. <laughs> well, we're, I think we're going to bounce all over the place here and, uh, we're going to just do rapid fire questions right at you. And if you don't mind, we've already introduced folks to uh, uh, basically the background, the history last week of who you are and what your company is. But uh, I think it'd probably be appropriate just real quickly uh, for you to just tell us what is what is the most recent thing you're excited about over there at uh, 37 Signals? Well, something we just launched a few weeks ago is something called Haystack. And Haystack is a way for web designers to find clients and for clients to find web designers. And it's been something we've been working on for a while, and we're really proud of it. And, and the thing is, is that it's really hard typically for a, a company to find a web designer. They want If they have a website or they need a website built, it's really hard to figure out where to go. Typically, you'd maybe go search on Google, and you get a bunch of text results, but that doesn't really help you 
You have to visit dozens of different web developer sites, and it's just a really difficult thing to do. So Haystack is a place, if you go to haystack.com, you can check it out, where you can see pictures of people's work and typical budget ranges and their location. So you can browse the way that you'd really want to browse when you're looking for a web designer. So we're pumped. It's only been around for a little bit. I think it's maybe three weeks now, three weeks today. And there's a, close to 3,000 uh, web designers listed, and uh, people are finding work all the time. If you go to haystack.com slash success, you can check out some of the success stories. So we're really pumped about that. Excellent. Now, right now, this is pretty much just for web designers. Do you plan on doing other freelancers into this system in the future? We've thought about it. We might. Uh, we don't really think that far in advance about anything. So there's obviously a lot of potential. You know, We could maybe do a site for photographers or a site for interior designers or architects or you know, gardeners, even things like that. Um, anything that's visually that you would browse visually could be a good fit for this uh, site that we built. So we'll see. But for now, we're starting with just web designers. Excellent. Jason, do you get the? Uh, do you get? Do you have a moment sometimes when you go? Uh, maybe this was early on in the planning, but you know, we're talking about a, a location on the internet for people that help build internet sites. Do you have that feeling, or did you early on to go? Why hasn't anyone else done this? Well, you know, people have done it. Uh, and there are lots of other sort of web design directory sites, but we think that they're solving the wrong problems. A lot of them are simply just text listings with logos, uh, and that doesn't really help you make a decision. What helps you make a decision is being able to see previous work, um, getting a feel for how much something might cost and where somebody's located. And so yeah. we really wanted to make sure that our, our browsing was visual and not just text, because text doesn't help people pick a visual right. medium like a web designer. Yeah, and that, I guess that's what I mean by it. It seems sort of obvious, you know, if someone's going to, you know, if you're going to hire a gardener, you kind of go, well, let me see one of your gardens. And then yeah. if you know, someone's going to hire a web designer, you'd think you'd go, hey, let me see a couple of your websites. So, yeah. anyway, and there are well some sites like that. that. There are some that, that do it, but I, we just took a much simpler approach, I think, than most. Simple is what you guys do best. And, and that's a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Sure. I have a question for you before we jump into the meat of these things, uh, Jason. We we have a lot of people who are already subscribed to this podcast. It's our one of our newer shows here at gspn.tv. And we have a lot of people who are small to medium-sized business owners and, and a lot of brand new entrepreneurs, people who are leaving the traditional workforce to, to launch into building a brand online and through social media and, and, and to really do a, a startup on the web. I know that you are very successful with your startups. I'd like to ask a question real quickly, and that is... Um, can you tell us what you did before 37 Signals? I mean, where did you get started? Sure. So I graduated from college in 96. And starting around 95, it's kind of when the internet kind of came around, basically. And uh, I'd always been interested in design, and I'd always been interested in running my own business. So I started freelancing, doing website design. I just learned how to do it on my own. I didn't, you know, no one really knew what they were doing back then. It was right in the beginning. So I just learned how to do it and started doing freelance work. And from about 96 to 99, that's pretty much what I was doing. I was pretty much working on my own. Um, I did work for somebody else for a few months right out of college, and I realized pretty quickly that I'm not really built to do that. I'm built to work on my own or for myself. And um, 98 came around, got a big job, hired my first employee, which happens to be Matt Linderman, who's still with the company today. And uh, then, you know, 99, I kind of said, you know, I want to do something besides just working with myself and, and Matt. And I hooked up with two other guys who I knew to start 37 Signals. 
So before 37 Signals, I was pretty much doing website design, which is what I was doing at 37 Signals from 99 to 2004 as well, but I was just doing it on my own. Gotcha. And and how how did you go from starting this business to getting connected to somebody like Jeff Bezos, who who basically came board, came on board and says, you know, listen, I want to help fund this company. How how did that take place? Well, that took place in 2006, uh, and it happened after we had been doing really well on our own anyway. Um, Jeff, I believe oh, Jeff got in touch with us, or his his people did. He didn't specifically, <laughs> but his people did, and. Uh, Jeff uh, knew about us from a few different places, so it was kind of like a triangulated uh, exposure. One of his invest, one of his companies that he was invested in, I believe, used Basecamp. Um, we did a, a site. We designed a site called Forty Three Things. Forty Three Things was owned partially by Jeff or by Amazon, so he saw our work there, and then he knew some people who knew us, and so he got in touch with us. And we'd already been approached by dozens of different investors and venture capitalists, and we were never interested in taking an investment because we didn't need the money. We were doing well on our own. But Jeff presented a different opportunity for us to have someone on board who's a true mentor for us, someone who's obviously an incredibly accomplished entrepreneur, very long-term vision guy, brilliant man who just knows how to build businesses. So we thought it'd be good to have someone like that as an advisor to us, and that's why we did that deal. Gotcha. Now you mentioned Basecamp. Now was that the first online service that that you guys put together for Thirty Seven Signals? Technically, no. Um, we we built something before that called Single File. Not many people know about this. Uh, David and I built this together. Um, this is when I hired, This is actually how I met David. Um, David's now my business partner, um, and he's the guy who invented Rails. So I was building this thing called Single File, which is a way to keep track of your book collection online. And this was back in like 90, or no, in like 2002 or something like that. And I was learning how to program at the time. I wasn't a programmer, I'm still not today. And I posted a note on our web blog saying, hey, you know, I have a question about programming and I happened to be using PHP at the time. And David responded. So David was a reader of our web blog and he responded along with a lot of other people. But uh, I really got along with David and we shared the same sort of point of view. And so I hired him to actually finish building this thing called Single File. Um, that only lasted for about a year and a half or so. It was kind of an experiment. And that was you know, the first sort of thing we ever did together as a company also to have a, a web-based product. Before that, we were just a web design company. But Basecamp was our first real, true main product um, that we really put some weight behind. And what is Basecamp for those who are listening? Basecamp is a project collaboration tool or project management tool that lets you keep track of simple things like to-do lists and share files and have discussions online so you don't have to shoot emails back and forth. Uh, and keep track of you know when is something due and who's responsible for doing it. So it's it's really a, a way to collaborate with either your own internal team or with clients on any type of project you might have. Exactly. Now, now my friend here and my co-host Andy has told me all about his excitement for Basecamp. And what I recognized when I went in to, to look at 37 Signals and I was looking at the different products that were available, which, by the way, thank you for doing, you know, accepting this interview because as a result, you have caused me to investigate who you are, what your company is. I am now going to be a lifelong loyal customer to, to a certain product that I'm going to talk about in just a minute. Uh, but... Anyway, uh, as a result of this, I, I started looking around and it's like, oh, I want to sign up for an account for this product. And I'm just going to say right now that the product that I'm most excited about is High Rise. And so I went in, I was going to sign up for High Rise. I clicked on there to sign up and it says, I'm sorry, you can't have that, that username. It's already taken. I'm like, who would have taken GSPN? 
And I recognize that, oh, wait a second, you've been on uh, Net at Night on more than one occasion with Leo Laporte and Amber MacArthur. And and when they talked about your services in the past, I remembered I must have signed up for an account. So I just tried the password that I thought it might be, and boom, I'm immediately in. I started playing around with it. I had signed up for a free service back uh, years ago, and... I I started to tweak it. I started to look and investigate what these things called deals were and contacts and and to do lists and and pretty much everything that I hear you say about Basecamp, I can do in High Rise. The only thing I guess the difference is, and tell me if I'm wrong in understanding this, in in Basecamp I can really give uh, instant access to all of my clients uh, to certain sections of of the thing and interact with my clients through the system. Yeah, Basecamp is more of a something you would use with clients. You know, if you have a project, if a client hires you, let's say you're an architect and you so they hire you to build a house, you would use Basecamp with them to share blueprints, share schedules, share to-do lists, things like that, back and forth con- communication, conversation. HiRise is more for keeping track of the people that you do business with. You know, who you talk to, what their phone numbers are, what what did they say the last time you talked to them, what did you say, when do you need to follow up next? So every time you talk to somebody, you're prepared, which is a big problem, I think. In business, people aren't prepared. They make a phone call, they talk to somebody, they hang up, they don't keep track of what they said or what the other person said. Next time they talk, it's like they have to start from scratch again. HiRise kind of keeps you prepared because it shows you a full log of all the calls, all the emails you've shared with someone, all the in-person conversations and if you're a good note taker, you can keep track of all those different things over time. So you'll know when you talk to somebody that everything you talked about previously. And that's really a, kind of a good way to get a heads up in business or get a lead in business is to just pay attention. And High Rise helps you keep track of that stuff. And I, that is exactly what it's done. And I'm going to encourage everybody here to go to pursuingabalancedlife.com and check out episode number 441. The title of the episode is Managing My Relationships with High Rise. And this morning, I just shared just how passionate I am about what this product means to me. And I told you I'd say this to you here again in the in the recording of this episode. I feel like uh, I feel about high rise the way that I felt about my wife when I first met her. I couldn't wait to spend time with her. I wanted to learn everything there was to know about her, and I wanted to invest in this relationship. And 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 it's like I feel that strongly about a piece of software because I I have this business that I've been doing, and I've been trying to maintain as much as I can as far as keeping cohesiveness of of these relationships using Google Docs and threaded emails in Gmail. And it's fallen short on multiple occasions, and high rise has drastically changed. I'm not going to explain it all how it's changed it here because I did an entire hour long episode, episode 441, pursuingabalancedlife.com. Go listen to it if you haven't listened to it already. But, well, thanks for that plug, by the way. That's really nice of you. Thanks. Oh, uh, it and and I mean it too. And I, I'm not the type of person who just goes around singing praises of somebody who comes onto a podcast and agrees to an interview. People who listen to us know that, and I do mean this. So we we do have some questions for you. Um, and the first question I have on the list here is: What do you say to people who are concerned about losing their data uh, with cloud computing? Well, I mean, that sort of concern is, is fair. People obviously have it, but I think that you're much more likely to lose your data locally than you are with cloud computing if you work with a reputable company, of course. Most people don't back their computers up. 
all the time. Most people don't keep their security patches up to date. Most people don't really have up-to-date software on their computers. Most people don't have their computers locked down in a, in a facility with 24-7, 365 guards, you know, and biometric locks and all these things. Um, so the, the, the sort of there's this perception that if you have it near you, it's safer than if you don't have it near you. But I don't really think that that's true. And I think over time, people's come to realize that if you work with a reputable cloud computing-like company like us or a variety of other ones who take data security seriously, who have everything backed up, who have backup plans, you know, all these sorts of things, then you're, you're pretty safe. You're very, very safe, in fact. Far, more, far safer than you would be if you just had a laptop in your house and you, know, you let your cleaning lady come in or you let anybody come in. You just leave it on your desk and you don't really care that much. Um, and people's laptops are stolen all the time at airports. There's all sorts of theft that goes on, but you can't really steal servers that are locked up somewhere. So I don't think it's as big of an issue as people really think it is, but I understand where it comes from. Yeah, absolutely. It it took me a while to get over the barrier, uh, because here's the deal for me to, to use high rise, I have to make an investment. I have to place trust in your software to put all of my client data and I have to trust you enough that your service is going to be there whenever I need you. So that right. when a phone call comes in and all of a sudden this wasn't scheduled and this person's saying, hey, Cliff, I want to talk to you about what we talked about. And all of a sudden I need to be able to type in real quickly and, and have immediately access to that person's file so that I can look at the background and see the top five things that will remind me of who in the world am I talking to? Yeah, and I totally get that. And we have to earn everybody's trust. And we try and do that by being honest and clear and making good products and having a good reliability record and all those things and having good backup plans and everything. So we, you know, that's something we have to earn. We don't expect people to just give it to us. We have to earn it. And, you know, we try and earn it by obviously also staying in business, by having a product that we sell, by being a company that's profitable. Um, you know, we're not going out of business next week if we don't get another round of investment or something like that. You know, we're, we're a successful company. We've been in business for 10 years. And those are the things that we try and get out there so people understand that they can trust us. Exactly. Andy, go ahead with your next question because I know that's going to that, that's got a great transition to what you want to bring up. Well, I'm, I'm trying to decide which one I want to ask. But let me go in this direction. And I'm going to throw you a softball, Jason. Then I'll throw you a curveball. The okay. softball is, um, is your new book, coming out in March going to be any good because I already bought it on Amazon and if uh-huh. it's not going to be that good then I can still return it so <laughs> so uh, you know you've got this book partnering with Crush It I mean you've got all kinds of connections out there on Amazon that's the book they encourage you to connect with it but I've never pre-ordered a book um, so tell me tell me why it's going to be good well first of all thanks for pre-ordering the book we appreciate sure. that it's important that we get pre-orders in because it really helps that first week sales boost so we're really kind of pushing to get pre-orders going on um I think it's going to be great. Um, we're really, really thrilled with the book. But I can tell you that we weren't really thrilled with it at a certain point while we were writing it. And it took a lot of editing. It took a lot of pulling stuff out, getting rid of a lot of fluff, and just focusing on the core message, the things that we really, truly believe. And every word in this book matters to us. So we've spent an awful lot of time making sure it's going to be good. And if you go to the Amazon page, you can read some of the pre-reviews of the book. Um, and I think you'll, you'll get excited about the content. So we're really pumped about it. We're really excited about it. We think it's very, very good, and we can't wait to get it to you, but it's not going to be out till March 9, 2010. What is the well, book? The book is called Rework, and uh, there is no subtitle at this time. We're just going to go with the <laughs> title. Uh, we'll see. You know, Maybe we'll add a subtitle later, but it's just called Rework, and it's all about our philosophy on starting a business, growing a business, or not growing a business. 
um, we're not this, we're not obsessed with growth. And I think that's one of the things that makes us a little bit different about in the business world is typically businesses are all about growing, growing, growing. We're about kind of finding the right size. And, uh, we talk a lot about that in the book, but it's all about how to hire, how to market, how to come up with ideas. It's a bunch of productivity tips that we've learned about how to work with remote workers or local workers and how to be more efficient, um, how to write, how to apologize if you make mistakes, things like that. So everything that we know is in this book and we're, uh, we're thrilled to, uh, to have it out to you guys just a few more months. Yeah. Well, let me go in another direction, um, which is, uh, you know, there almost, almost feels like people are trying to start a fight for you between you and Chris Anderson on this whole free versus charging. And he wrote a book called free and gave it away for free and is charging for it as well. But, um, you know, you and I had a conversation about this during your office hours. Um, but I guess my question fundamentally is, um, does anybody really believe that you can give things away for free and still make money? I mean, at some point you have to charge. So I, I don't know that the whole free argument is really that strong. So yeah. how, do you, how do you feel like the free argument is even has legs? I mean, how, does it, how, does, how do you make money in a business if you just give things away for free all the time? Yeah, well, I think, I think Chris... And, and I or and us agree on most things, actually. Um, obviously, when you title your book called Free, you know, they think that free is the whole point. But if you really go through the book, it's really more about free as a, as a promotional tool, as a sample. And at the end of the day, you can give as much stuff away for free as you want, as long as you have more things to sell. The problem I have with free, especially online, on the web, is that a lot of companies, especially new companies, um, just give stuff away for free and they don't have anything to sell. So that would be like walking into a bakery and just getting free samples and they, but they won't sell you a muffin. You know, they just won't cause they don't sell them to you. They just give them away for free. No one would look at that scenario and go that that's viable. People would say this, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, but if they give you free samples and then they also sell you something that makes sense. But on the web, yeah. it's sort of like the, the bakery that doesn't sell you anything is giving you all the free samples you want and that doesn't work. So that I don't think is viable. Um, of course, if you have something to sell, like our products, we have free versions of all of our products, but we also sell them. And you know, we're able to generate enough revenue, of course, to afford to give those free samples away. So that, that's what I think obviously works. And Chris talks a lot about that in his book. Um, but I, I'm just, in general, not a big fan of, of giving things away. I think it just starts to devalue things. And it kind of says, eh, take it or leave it. This doesn't really matter to us. And if it's not any good, that's not our problem. I like the... I like the th- I like that pay forces you to be good at things. It forces you to make sure what you're building is good because customers are giving you their hard-earned money. And that's a critical thing. I mean, after like relationships and sex and friends and family, like money is the next most intimate exchange between people. And when you give someone your own money that you worked for, you put trust in them to give them a product back that's really, really good. And I think that's the, that's the right kind of... Uh, constraint you want to have on yourself as a company exactly now i saw this uh article that uh was posted about you and chris anderson it kind of like you know it was you versus him and i've heard your youtube videos out there i have interviews on youtube with you and i've i've actually read chris anderson's book free which by the way i got for free and you know, I didn't see any glaring differences. In fact, when I read the book free, it, my focus and understanding of free was promotional tool. In fact, I'm going to put a link to an interview that you did 
uh, that is titled Marketing by Sharing, and that'll be in the show notes at businesstechweekly.com on episode number 10. That'll be embedded on the show notes page. And here's a couple different things that you mentioned in that video where you, you were suggesting how do you build a, uh, an, uh, how do you build an audience for your, your product? And you actually said some of the things that I heard Chris Anderson say, which is number one, build an audience. Uh, you know, you said create content and share it with them, teach with them, give it freely to them, give them as much information as you can. And matter of fact, here's a direct quote. I mean, 100% direct from your words. It says giving away as much information as you can about your craft. And then you mentioned that 2.5 million people signed up to use 37 Signal products. Uh, you had mentioned that you did um, a blog entry explaining something as simple as about something called a yellow fade and how you did it. And you had 800,000 views on that blog entry. And then later you did um, a, a very simple blog entry about your philosophy on how to sketch for a product. And you had 400,000 views. So it, you're very much giving away your time, energy, and effort, and information and knowledge in many ways available for free to build that relationship, that audience, and that trust of, and understanding of who you are. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. We're, we're big fans of, of promoting and technically marketing by sharing. And that's, that's a different kind of free, basically, because that comes back to us. Because, again, we have something to sell. And so people hear about us, they like what we have to say, or they don't like what we have to say. A lot of people don't like what we have to say as well. Either way, they know who we are, and um, we can ultimately sell products to our audience in a much more affordable fashion than if we had to go out and advertise and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to reach the same number of people. We can now just speak. And those people are coming back to us every day. And that's the benefit of, of having an audience. Um, so we're, we're fans of, of, of sharing by teaching and, and sharing um, is, is our form of marketing. Um, I like to want to thank Kathy Sierra, who's someone who we really like. Um, she, she has a great quote about uh, you can either outspend your competition or you can outteach your competition. And I, I think that that's just a, a great way to think about it. So we're trying to outteach our competition. I love that. Yeah, Jason, I, I wanted to ask you about, and you said some people like what you do and some people don't. Um, I guess this is more of a personal question. Um, what is it like to have people rip on you on the internet? I mean, did it like get you kind of excited because you know that you actually have some opinions? Um, you know, because there's just people that, I mean, even in this chat today, we have going at gspn.tv slash live, and there's people that just, I mean, maybe there's just angry people in the world and I don't know enough of them, but... It just seems like people want to take shots, and I don't know if that's because you're at the top or what. But what's it like to have people, you know, I guess, yeah. be negative towards you? It, you know, it takes a while to get used to that because, you know, it hurts sometimes, when, especially when you're misrepresented. You know, if someone has a, a, a fair disagreement with us, um, I totally, completely respect that, and I like to hear that. Because we have a lot to learn, too. I, I don't pretend that we know everything. We never said that we know everything. We have strong opinions, but we're certainly open to, to other ideas. Um, but what, what is tough to deal with initially when you're first getting started with this is when people just mi- misrepresent you and, and spread lies about you and say things that simply aren't true and take your words out of context. But that just comes with the territory, and you just have to get used to it. Um, but it also, I think, is a sign that you actually have something to say and that's a good thing because I'd much rather have something to say and not be afra- afraid to offend certain people or to disagree with people in public 
than to just kind of be really bland and be build a company that no one really cares about. So it, it's something that comes with the territory. And, um, you know, I always encourage people, like if, if, if I'm at a conference or, 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 or something like that and they have a disagreement with me, I'd like them to come up to me and we can talk about it because I think they'll find that I'm actually very open to other ideas and be happy to chat about this stuff. Just the internet sometimes makes it easy to, to just take things out of context and to, you know, rip on people anonymously. And, and um, I don't think that really helps anyone. So it's, again, it's just something you have to get used to. And it's not something I look forward to, but it's just something that happens and you just get used to it over time. Absolutely. Uh, let me ask you this. And, and I told you we were going to jump all over the place. And I, and I know that you'd be pretty comfortable with that. I noticed that 37 Signals just launched, as far as I can tell, its first podcast episode on October 28th, 2009. Uh, this, is a, this is very interesting to me because my, my career that I do is, is consulting for people in podcasting and, and taking your, you know, building your brand and extending your brand uh, in a way where you can provide content, not just in a blog, but where people can hear you in an intimate fashion, hear you speaking directly into their ears, permission-based, in their car, on the treadmill, walking through the neighborhood, walking the dog, whatever. So, so why start a podcast and why now? Well, we've been talking about doing a podcast for actually quite a long time. And we never just got around to really doing it. Um, and so we decided to eventually do it. Uh, and so that's why we're doing it. <laughs> Basically, um, we uh, are going to try and do one every two weeks. Um, we've already recorded the first three. And, um, you know, that's the initial goal. We'll see how often we want to do them. And we we'll want to do some interesting things. So initially, it's just David and myself talking with Matt. Uh, Matt's another guy who works for us. And we're just it's kind of an interview format. But we'd like to bring other people in from 37 Signals. We'd like to have some tech people in and talk about technology, have support people and talk about customer service and support have designers come in and talk about designers. We'd like to interview other people out there who we respect and other people who we completely disagree with. I don't think there's enough disagreement out there, frankly. Um, I disagree with you, by the way. (laughs) There you go. Perfect. Good job. (laughs) There's disagreement like, you know, but it's more violent sort of like disagreement that's not really disagreement. It's just like arguing. I would (laughs) like to have some more true disagreement. Like, you know, there's certain people out there who we might not agree with Let's get them on the podcast. Let's have an interview if they're up for it and have a, like a real conversation about these things. Um, so we want to do some of that as well. Um, so we're kind of looking forward to seeing how the format evolves and what we end up uh, ultimately doing with it. But just like anything, we're not really making particularly long-term commitments. We've recorded three and we'll see how it goes and we'll keep doing more hopefully. But if we decide one day that we just don't like doing it, we'll stop. Hopefully we won't. Hopefully we'll keep doing more of them. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm enjoying them, by the way. Just wanted to let you know that. Oh, thank you. It was, it was fun to do. It was fun to do. So we're, we're, we definitely want to do more, and, and we're looking forward to what we can do with it. Hey, Jason, I have a question about, um, you know, I think that I have a hard time connecting, uh, I'll just be vulnerable here, with you as a business person because you run a, a huge company, and yet we're both entrepreneurs. Cliff's an entrepreneur, so am I, and so are you. So what advice might you have for people like Cliff and I who are solopreneurs? You know, we don't have um, – I mean, I guess I'd like for, for, for Jeff from Amazon to give us a call sometime. But, you know, you've built your business on simplicity. Okay, maybe that's one thing. But what are other things you could tell someone that, you know, I don't want to build a corporation, but I still want to have a successful business um, in the Internet world. What would be some advice you could give to, I would say, the solopreneur crowd? Well, first off, I would say that you don't need Jeff Bezos or any investor <laughs> to anoint you. And this is kind of something that I've – been railing against recently is the idea, and I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs about this, and they're they're kind of looking for someone to 
tap them on the head with the magic wand and say you are now <laughs> successful. You now have the opportunity to be successful or you're now, you know, I've given you money. So you're now like the, one of the chosen people sort of things. And it's like, it's not that way. You don't need anyone else to give you permission to be successful. Um, in, in fact, I think when you're on your own, just by yourself, you actually have a pretty good chance of being successful because your costs are incredibly low, of course. And today sure. you don't need a lot of people to do anything. And you can do it at night. I would say the first thing you should do is not quit your day job. You should start doing a little business on the side. You know, This whole idea that entrepreneurs are the people who take the biggest risks, I don't buy that. I don't think that that's true anymore. I think it may have been true a long time ago. But I think you're actually – the thing you should do is take the least, least amount of risk you can. So you have a day job, keep your day job, and then at night, twice a week, three times a week, work for a couple hours, do something on, that you really love. You know, Let's say – Going back to the bakery example, let's say you want to start a cupcake company or something like that or cookies. Just start baking some cookies and baking some cupcakes and, and sell them at the local farmer's market and see how it goes you know, on the weekends and try that or sell them to friends or whatever it is and see how that works. And if that starts to work out well, you can do more of it and do more of it and eventually maybe you can quit your day job and do that full time. But I would not take your life savings important to cupcakes and quit your day job and just go, go for it. I would slowly, gradually move into things. And that's, that's the best advice I can give anybody who wants to start something on their own. I, I love that advice. In fact, I, I want to encourage people for just a moment who have, who have been following gspn.tv and podcastanswerman.com because a lot of people um, saw what I've done. I, I used to work in insurance for 11 years and all of a sudden one day I just quit cold turkey and, and, mm-hmm. and went and started this business going into podcasting new media full time. And while I took a lot of risk, the truth of the matter is, and I, and I try to explain this to folks, I didn't quit cold turkey. I went two and a half year or two years of building relationships and connections and an audience and and a and a huge gigantic foundation of trust to to be a platform for what I knew would be a business that I had to launch and devote a lot of attention to to really take it to the next level. Uh, so I had already been playing around with you know some consulting, kind of a, a hobbyish in a way, but I was ready to take it to the next level, and I really felt that I had that. So, but I do love that. I mean, you you kind of do need to to kind of test the waters of what you're doing before you just quit what you're doing, and and then all of a sudden you find yourself not putting food on the table. And that's what I think happens is people are afraid of starting a business because they think they have to quit their day job and sink everything into it, and that's scary as hell. Who wants to do that? I mean, that's you have to be like a true hardcore entrepreneur to want to do that. And I think that, in fact, the word entrepreneur is something that scares a lot of people off. They're like, I'm not an entrepreneur. Well, I don't even know what that word really means anymore. I mean, does it mean you have an MBA? Does it mean you went to school for this thing? Does it mean you speak another language? What does it mean? And there's a lot of people today who are running businesses and doing really, really well on their own who would never consider themselves to be entrepreneurs. They're just someone who started a business. And I think once we get rid of these fancy words like entrepreneur and think too much about risk and stop thinking about risk as much, then it's just easier to try it and get started and give it a shot. And that's kind of what we try to encourage people to do. Jason, I want to ask you about um, motivation because obviously I think we can probably do the math on how many subscribers you guys have and how much you charge a month and things like that to know that, that things are going okay for 37 Signals. So if money isn't um, you know, the goal anymore, um, what, what motivates you to keep making products better to do things like Haystack? I mean, what's, what, what keeps you excited if you found that level of success? 
Well, I, I am a capitalist, so like money does matter in that way. But <laughs> but it doesn't, you know, that's not really ultimately what drives us anymore. Um, it does when you're first starting out because you need to pay the bills and you want to hire people and you need to pay their salaries and you want to give them bonuses and you want to treat them well and all that stuff. But once, you, once you've managed to, to get to that level, um, you have to love the products that you're building and you have to love the people you work with and those are the things that keep you going. Uh, and we just have a, you know, an intense focus on building good things. We want to build good stuff because a lot of the stuff we use isn't very good. And so that's the kind of stuff that gets you pumped up. I wish I could design a car. I wish I could design a flashlight. I wish I could design all these other things that I'm not happy with, but I can't because I don't know how to do that stuff. I know how to make software though, or design software. So that's what kind of keeps me going. And the other thing is we use all the products that we build. So I want the stuff that I use to be good and to get better over time. And by using the things that you build, you sort of had this built in, um, you're sort of encouraging yourself to continue to make things better because you're using them too. If I was building things for other people, um, I don't think I'd be able to stay as motivated because it, it wouldn't really matter so much. Um, and also, you know, you have, you have relate, you have a responsibility to the people who work for you to continue to grow the business to a certain level. So, you know, you can pay them more and you can do more things and have a great team and give them things that you want to give them. And then also you have a responsibility to your customers to continue to improve the products. And when you, when you earn someone's trust, your customer's trust, you know, it's, it's not a temporary thing. You want to keep delivering and keep making things better. So there's a whole lot of stuff that should keep you motivated um, as your business is growing. And we've really only scratched the surface. I mean, we're, we've been in business for 10 years and we've got a lot of customers and we're, we're doing very well. But there's so many people who don't know about us. We're still just this tiny little company. We're 16 people. A lot of people don't know who we are. Um, most people don't know who we are. So that's exciting too, is to try and bring the message to a much wider audience. And in many, many reasons, that's why one of the reasons we wrote the book, uh, Rework, is to get our message out to a much wider audience because I think that there's a lot more people out there who could benefit from uh, our products. Perhaps, uh, Jason, the reason people don't know who you are is because you guys aren't in the office enough. I understand you guys only work four <laughs> days a week. Uh, can you explain to us why you only work four days a week and, and how that works? I mean, explain that philosophy for me. Well, we work four days a week in the summers. Um, we've tried doing the four-day work week year-round, and we found right now at least, we, you know, this is all a big experiment for us, but we found that in the summers it really makes a lot more sense because it's beautiful and people like to enjoy themselves and have three day weekends and get out early. That's good. But in the, you know, we're based in Chicago. So in the winters, you kind of want to work on Fridays because you have <laughs> nothing else to do. Um, but what we're doing now is we're doing this experiment and it's, you know, it just started a, uh, about a month or so ago where we are working on Fridays, but we're supposed to be working on things that we're not working on the rest of the week. So it's more of an experimentation day and we're still trying to figure out how that's going to work and if it's going to work at all. But that's sort of, where we're going with this is that the fifth day of the week is now just a, a day to experiment on some things that you've been thinking about trying for a while, but you haven't had a chance to, or just a new technology comes out or some new technique you want to play with. And uh, that's the day to do that. How do you find yourselves disciplining yourself to not work on the other stuff? Because you guys have to have, with the amount of clients that you have and 16 people, you have to have an ongoing, never-ending list of to-do items yourself to answer from support calls and all this other stuff. How difficult was it for you to get to the point where you said enough is enough, there's a time when it's time to leave the office for the day and, and, and stuff like that? How, how did you come across that? Well, we, we do provide support five days a week. So we have two support people, Sarah and Michael, and they kind of 
stagger a bit. So there's, you know, one of them might be off on a Wednesday, one might be off on a Thursday or something like that. So there's always customer support. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Um, <laughs> everything else though, um, you know, there's a million things to do, but you can't do them all. And if you try to do them all, you're just going to burn yourself out and that's not going to help anybody. So, you know, there are very, very few things that actually have to be done by tomorrow. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it, there are some, and if there's a problem, like that's, you know, servers down or something that of course is urgency and you got to do whatever you got to do. And if that means you got to pull an all nighter or wake up at three in the morning, you got to do that. But very few things have to be done right now or tomorrow. So if it's Thursday and it's, you know, uh, July 8th, um, that thing that you think needs to be done on Friday can probably wait till Monday. It'll be fine. Nothing's really going to happen. So we, pref- and we think in fact that you'll be more refreshed and more energized to come to work on Monday if you had a three day weekend than just a two day weekend. So, you know, there are a million things to do and, and it's frustrating sometimes, especially for me, cause I'm very impatient, like to have to wait on things to be done. But it's, I think ultimately on balance, a better way of working than to burn yourself out and just try and get as much stuff as you done, as you can get done in a week. Jason, another sort of personality question. Um, you know, is it like required when you are uh, successful in the internet world to be laid back? I, I, when I hear people from, except for the, I guess the guys in charge of Microsoft, he's like an insane man, the Balmer guy. Mm-hmm. Like they always have pictures of him on Engadget, just acting nuts. Right. But it seems like people that present from you or maybe from Google or from other companies that people see as successful, you know, you have this attitude of, uh, and I would just, you know, this is a compliment, by the way. Uh, but it seems like, you know, I'm just going to roll with it. So how do you, how do you? Is that a requirement or how do you manage that or balance that with the intensity it takes to start a company, you know? Um, There's a lot of different people who've started lots of different companies and been successful doing it in lots of different ways. So I'm not going to really, I couldn't tell you, there's not a personality trait other than I think a genuine curiosity and sort of drive to to make great things, I think Mm -hmm. is kind of what you need. But, you know, there are people like Mark Cuban who's, (laughs) <laughs> intense, super intense yeah. guy, you yeah. know, and he's great and he's incredibly successful. And, and, and I love listening to him and reading his, his blog and, and I've never met him in person, but I, I like the guy. I know I like the guy, you know, and, but he, you know, I, I'm not like him and he's not like me. And, you know, you have Gary Vaynerchuk who's all over the place and tons of energy yeah. all the time. And, you know, um, and I'm not like him and he's not like me. And so there's a lot of different ways to do things and a lot of different personality traits. Um, I think at the end of the day, you just got to be yourself. You can't look at yourself and go, I want to be like Jason. I want to be like Gary. I want to be like Mark. Like you can't, that doesn't work. You got to be like yourself, whatever, whatever it is and however you are is good enough. You don't need to be like somebody else. Um, and just like, you don't want to build a product like someone else's. You don't want to be a company like somebody else's. You want to be your own company and build your own products and you want to be your own person. That's the only way you're going to ever do good work. I think is if you just act yourself because otherwise you're just, you're just like, acting all the time and that's hard because that's a lie and if you're just going to keep lying it's going to occupy a lot of your mind and you're not going to be able to make good decisions and all that sort of thing so just be yourself and you'll be fine excellent so one other thing here i know that you're we're going to let you go here shortly uh because you have something special that you have planned every well uh, you tell us how often it is some some kind of office hours or or call-in hour what, what what is this that you're getting ready to go into and how did it come about and why did it come about yes yeah, so um i'm doing this thing which is currently on tuesdays and thursdays from 3 p.m to 5 p.m central time 
Um, and those hours may change, but so far that's what I'm doing. And it's basically a phone number you can dial into. And if you go to 37signals.com slash office hours, you get all the information that you need. And I take direct calls two days a week for two hours from anybody who wants to talk about our products or business or has a question or wants to disagree about something or wants to talk about a blog post we put up or wants to talk about something I said or whatever it is, anything you want to talk about, uh, I'm here to take the call about. And so far, um, I get an average of maybe like 15 calls over a two-hour period, and they're usually five, six, seven minutes or so. Uh, and they range from everything that I just kind of covered. Um, some people just want to chat. Some people have an idea about business, and they want to hear what my opinion is about their product idea or something like that. Other people have a question about their products. They want to know what works and what doesn't and how they can do this and why this doesn't work or whatever. And so we'll talk about that. And I got the idea from... Uh, Wasabi, which is a company, W-E-S-E-B-E, I believe, is, or W-E-S-A-B is what it is. Um, they're a financial uh, site where you can keep track of your, the money you're spending and where you're spending it, things like that. Um, their original CEO is a guy named Jason Knight, and he did this thing when they launched their company where he would be available for calls, I think, for four hours a day uh, in the afternoons. And I really like that idea. Plus, I like the idea of the professor sort of model, which is, you know, professor has office. They have a classroom time and they have office hours where they take one-on-one. They have one-on-one consultations with their students. And um, that's sort of kind of where this thing came from. It came from Wasabi's idea and also just the typical professor office hours thing. And so far, it's been really valuable. Um, I have noticed that the calls tend to be uh, a lot of calls in the first hour and the second hour is pretty thin. So I might end up tweaking the hours a bit where I might just do a one hour a day, maybe three days a week, or maybe just do it three hours and one day a week. I'm not sure, but so far it's working out pretty well. Jason, I had a question, uh, and then we're going to let you go to your office hours, but about uh, features, I watched a video that you had an interview with someone about, uh, they asked you about feature creep, I think, is that the right, where they, that, you know, I always yeah, want you to add something. Yes. Yeah. So, well, let me ask you on a, on a positive way, what's something, and you don't have to reveal it, but I mean, are there things that you guys are looking at your products and saying, yeah, you know, we're going we're gonna to keep tweaking Basecamp, high-rise, things like that? I mean, are you guys, uh, guys going to continue to develop these, or do you feel like, hey, it's simple and it works and we're going to leave it as is? Well, there's always things that can be improved, and we're working on stuff all the time. Uh, some things are just, you know, meaning, or, uh, menial bug fixes and small mm-hmm. little tweaks that we have to make because they're things that software, so things go wrong. Other things are, are big new features, and there's also small features. We like to talk a lot about polish internally. You know, how can we mm. polish this feature? So we have a feature that works. It's fine. People are happy with it. But how can we clean it up? How can we make it better? I mean, think about like a, a furniture builder or cabinet maker who has a cabinet, and it's fine. Um, but they want to just continue to sand it, and they want to continue to polish it, and they want to continue to get that radius just right on the corner. And that's sure. kind of the way we try to approach software. Um, because you can continue to add stuff forever. And that's what ends up happening to a lot of products is they keep adding and adding and adding, and eventually it just you know, loses, loses control. So we don't want to go there, but we want to keep improving what we have, and we want to add some new stuff too. Um, but we t- just talk a lot about polish internally, and that just means revisiting what we have and how can we make it 10% better. You know, how can we make it three seconds faster? How can we you know, take one step out of a five-step process or something like that? Uh, that's kind of where we're focused on our improving right now. Excellent. I also like to think of it, let me, I'll just throw this in too. It's kind of like the way Porsche works. So Porsche, the Porsche 911 has been a car that's essentially been the same for 30 years. 
Yeah. Uh, if you, you can you can identify a 9/11 from the 70s and a 9/11 from today and see that they're kind of the same car. I mean, obviously they're different a little bit, but what they've been doing is they've just been tweaking and adjusting and polishing and making all these incremental changes over decades. And now they've just have the best car for the money in the business period and no one disputes that. And it's because they've been constantly polishing things and making every little tiny thing better every time they do it. And that is something that we really respect and admire. And it's hard to do that um, because, you know, it takes a lot of discipline to not want to always do the cool, new, fancy stuff everyone else wants to do, but to just focus on the basics and make the basics really good. And that's sort of where we're focused. Well, You're doing a great job, Jason. Abs- Thank you. Absolutely. Because I, I will tell you, I was, I was looking at high rise and I'm thinking, you know, the monthly fee is not that absorbent. So that's not a big deal. But the question is, do I want to use this product or, you know, now that I'm aware of the CRM software in the cloud, do I want to look at some other options? And I looked at some other options and, and I'm like, wow, there, this one does a lot and it does a lot more. And I'm looking at the video tutorials and it is so crazy, all the different things that you can do. And it's like, how can, I mean, I'd have to go away for two weeks to learn how to use that system. <laughs> And yeah. and with with high rise, I was able to get in. and I'm like, oh, this, I wonder if I can do this. And I and actually, I create. I went to the user forum and I would create a you know how do I do this? And within ten minutes, I had to go in and say, I'm sorry, I figured it out <laughs> because <laughs> because it was there. It was built in. You guys knew what I you knew what the simple tasks, the simple things that I wanted to do, and it was all right there. And uh, and it wasn't complicated, so that that is one of the things that I do love about your guys' services. Well, thanks so much. And we focus a lot on just like nailing the basics. We like to say execute on the basics beautifully. You know, it's it's really easy in the tech world to get caught up in the latest greatest technology and fad and thing to do. But I think the real winners are going to be the companies that focus on the basics and deliver the basics at a really high level. That's what people ultimately want. You know, if you go to a hotel room. And there's a huge big screen TV and fancy audio system, but the bed is uncomfortable, then the hotel room is bad. It's just not a good hotel room. And I think a lot of software has the big 50-inch screen and the big fancy (laughs) tech, but the bed is uncomfortable. And we don't want to be that. We want to be the comfortable bed. We want to be the comfortable seat. We want to be the on-time schedule. You know, That's what we want to be. Those are the things that really matter to people. And uh, that's sort of what we're focused on. Excellent. Jason, thank you so much for taking this opportunity once again. And um, if, if there, is there anything that you want to plug as far as I, I know you mentioned the book, you mentioned uh, Haystack, anything else that you want to say that to, to bring attention to that we did not yet cover? Um, no, I think we covered everything. You know, we talked about Haystack, talked about the products, talked about the book, all, all the things that, that we're working on right now. So uh, I, I don't have anything else to plug. You guys are free to plug anything you want, though. <laughs> all right. We will do that. Jason, we'll let you go. Uh, feel free to just disconnect anytime now and, and just know that we do appreciate this. And uh, we look forward to uh, continuing to follow your guys' success there at 37 Signals. You bet. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Jason. Okay, see ya. All right. So, Andy, there you go, my friend. Uh, Wow. Another wonderful interview with another wonderful CEO of another wonderful company. And and I'm not just saying those things either. I I really mean it. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was fun. And and it's funny that uh, people asked about, you know, Andy, how did you get the interview with Jason? I the answer is I emailed him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, and I don't know that he's going to be on everybody's podcast all the time. But the bottom line is, 
you know, Cliff and I have tried to create uh, a show that that helps people, that helps people's businesses, and that's that's Business Tech Weekly. And and I think uh, when 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 I sent him the invite and I sent him a link to our page, that he said these guys are for real and they really want to help people. And and so that's why we brought him on. And I think Jason is in the business of helping people as well, and and making a living doing it. And so the three of us have a lot uh, a lot in common. So. Absolutely. So I'll tell you what, we're, I'm going to skip the big fancy music real quick. Uh, we want to uh, get to our point, our, our point, our, t- <laughs> what's our tip of the week? What product of the week? What is it? Well, we, yeah, we have our, uh, I'm a little off my game today. Yeah. Pick, pick of the week, uh, for sure. And, um, I don't even have one of my notes, so I'll have to pull one no, out. I've, I've got so. one here for you. It, it, it's, it's Go a certain it. book by a certain person that was mentioned here mentioned many sure. times. Oh, Sure. I don't know if we talked about that last week, but maybe we didn't. No, we did not. So that's why. Bring it up, my friend. Well, it's uh, Crush It by uh, Mr. Gary Vernichuk himself. And uh, I'm intrigued by this book. I've started it. I'm not finished. But the bottom line is that uh, Gary has an intensity about him. There you go. Cliff, did you get that yet? (laughs) Yeah, I got it right here, Gary has an intensity about him and about uh, what he does that I think coincides with what Jason's talking about. Uh, it's about having a passion about something and then going out and making it happen. And, uh, you know, be wary of his videos a little bit because he has some colorful language, but at the end of the day, uh, he encourages people to follow their passion, just like Dan Miller of 48days.net and .com does, just like Cliff Ravenscraft of gspn.tv does. You know, it's about following your passion, and uh, that's why I... I uh, want to encourage folks to pick up Crush It by, Ver- by, by Gary this week, um, and that's my pick of the week. What do you got? Well, Cliff. first of all, I just want to say a special thank you to my great friend Stephen Cross, who uh, provided me a wonderful hardback edition of Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. Stephen, thank you very much for that wonderful gift. Uh, and then, of course, I want to uh, share my pick of the week. And, of course, this is for folks who are brand new to this whole business thing. Uh, and you're, you're working from home now. You're doing your own, let's say it's life coaching, financial coaching, you're, wh- whatever it is that you're doing. You're working from home for the first time. You're brand new at this stuff. And you're trying to figure out how do I accomplish it and do all these different things. And, and I've been in that position. So one of the things that was early on is, do I, should I get a fax machine? I mean, seriously, who, I mean, who <laughs> uses faxes? And the truth is, is there are still many times that you need to fax documents. You'll, you'll, you'll need to, and, and you've got people who say, Hey, can you fax that to me? Can I just email that to you as a PDF? And they're like, uh, oh, no, we just take faxes. And I'm like, oh, gosh, okay, I'll fax it to you. And so what do you do in that situation when you don't have access to a fax machine and you're not going to go out and spend money for a fax machine? You're not going to buy an extra phone line for your house for a fax machine. What do you do? My pick of the week this week is myfax.com. Very simple, myfax.com. It's what I use. I think I pay 10 bucks a month. I have a fax number that you know I give out to anybody who needs to fax something to me. And believe it or not, it just emails it to me as a PDF document. And the best thing I love about this is I have an email address for my fax. So um, Andy, whatever, let's just say you're, uh, I was going to send a fax to you. I just sure. scan everything scan everything it can be a word i can attach a word file i can uh, scan and create a jpeg or a pdf document it doesn't matter what it is whatever that document is all i do is open up an email 
And let's just say your fax number is 555-555-1212. And that's your fax number. So I just do 555-555-1212 at myfax.com and attach those files to that email. In the subject line, I put in the subject line. And in the in the body of the mex- message of my email is my cover sheet. So I say, like, hey, everybody, or, hey, Andy, here's that document. Here's the signed contract. Let me know if there's anything else you need. Here's how you can get in touch with me. And I hit send, and immediately myfax.com will go in the process of turning that into a fax. It will dial your fa- that person's fax machine. They will get it just as though I had actually stuck it right into a fax machine. I don't have to actually do anything else on my end. I love it. So myfax.com and... Uh, that's my pick of the week. Awesome. All We're right. here to be practical, my friends. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, next week, we have uh, decided that we're going to just share a little bit more about our personal story. You want to tell people about that? Yeah. Well, ironically enough, Cliff and I both came out of the insurance field <laughs> into following our passions for technology to become consultants, coaches, things like that. Uh, and we're going to share our story about how we uh, went from other careers to really following our calling and our passion. And uh, Cliff's going to share a story, and so am I. And uh, we'd love for you to join us next week at a different time, our normal time, which I believe is 4.30 Eastern yeah. uh, for Business Tech Weekly. And you can always get to schedule at gspn.tv slash schedule for the show schedule. That's exactly right. gspn.tv slash schedule. Got one other big, huge, gigantic announcement right here at the end of the show. Uh, you're listening to a free episode of Business Tech Weekly. Our goal is to give you no less, never less than one episode a month for free on businesstechweekly.com's free feed. So if you subscribe to us in iTunes and the public directory, you're always going to get a minimum of one episode similar to this every single month. You might even get two if you're lucky. Uh, but for those of you who are gspn.tv plus members, uh, it's $10 a month and you get access to every single episode. You'll get, uh, you'll get an episode every single week of business tech weekly, but not just this podcast. We have 24 podcasts in total here at gspn.tv, 24 shows. And as a plus member, you'll get access to every episode of every show. Just to give you an idea how much content you get, not only what's coming out now, but everything that's ever come out since December of 2005, which today, Andy, believe it or not, I released my 1,800th podcast episode from the studio. I'm only uh, 1,790 behind you, so... <laughs> there you go. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. And if you guys found this interview and, and this podcast, the information here on Business Tech Weekly, informative and educational, encouraging and inspirational, please do us a favor. Consider supporting this content by becoming a Plus member. That way we don't have to throw all kinds of advertising messages at you. We'd prefer to do it that way. So check it out, gspn.tv slash plus. Andy, where can they find you online? Well, uh, you know, I just uh, reposted my blog at andytraub.com. So you can go there and check it out. I posted my first video with my new uh, Kodak ZI8 camera. So andytraub.com. More content to come. Excellent. And, of course, you can find uh, all kinds of stuff about myself, podcastanswerman.com. And you can find Andy on and myself both on Twitter. You find Andy over at twitter.com slash andytraub. You can find me at twitter.com slash G-S-P-N. Until next time, everybody, we say thank you for listening. Tell somebody else about Business Tech Weekly 
plusmembership.com. You really like the show and you already a plus member, you don't want to you don't know what you can do to help benefit this show further. Why not head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Anyway, God bless y'all. We'll talk to you next time. Until next time, join the community.